0: all right right, everyone and welcome to episode 101 of the hunger for the hustle podcast it is a great pleasure to welcome my buddy and it's been my buddy for what we've been about six nine months now since we started that power voice program nick i think
1: that's correct that's how we connected jake and it all stemmed from there
0: that's right and nick is like me a man who loves to travel, like me, an entrepreneur, and like me, a hustler, and a man who likes to take risks. So it's great to have you on the show, Nick. And let's start by just giving the audience a bit of background about who you are and what you do.
1: Okay, well, ladies and gentlemen, be prepared for one of the most ridiculous stories. You're probably ever going to hear how I initially showed up into Australia, how Jake and I were able to connect how we were able to build that kind of common interest together. So my name is Nick Hefke. I'm 28 years old. I'm originally from Rochester, New York. I'm currently in Playa del Carmen, Mexico, where I've been here for about a week and a half. Previous to that, I was living over in the Gold Coast in Australia. I'm currently the owner of Ethical Solar Solutions in Miami, Florida. And we currently do residential and commercial solar installation sales. And, well, I'll let you take it from there, Jake, and I'll build from there.
0: Well, how did you get started in business, Nick? That's what I would like to know. What was your first ever business and idea and how did it come about? How did you execute on it?
1: Well, this is where it gets even crazier. So I'm going to just start from the beginning, okay? because how this all it all kind of builds together. Right. So when I was 19 years old, I was a student at a little private small school called St. Bonaventure University, which is a school of 2000 kids in the middle of pretty much nowhere, New York. And I had met these two Kiwi guys while I was out partying one night and they were like, Hey man, we run this kind of study abroad tour where you go to Fiji for two weeks and New Zealand for two weeks and you get college credit and it works out to be cheaper than what you're currently paying at St. Bonaventure. There's about 27 girls and two dudes and well, we think you would be perfect for it. So I'm like, sold, let's do it. So I go on this study abroad tour, two weeks in Fiji, two weeks in New Zealand. Now it's my last weekend in New Zealand. And I decide to kind of break apart from the group. And I go on to a weekend adventure to this little party town called Queenstown, New Zealand. Throughout my time over there, I'm at this hostel. I meet this Brazilian guy. And this is the first time I've ever really experienced a hostel by myself. And we go out partying We're you know, 10, 15 drinks later, he looks at me, goes, Nick, I think you should move to Australia one day. And I go to him, I say, Mateus, Where's Australia? (laughs) He looks at me and goes, you've got to be kidding me, right? I'm like, "Uh, yeah, kind of, but uh, yeah, kind of give me a little bit better. I just kind of snoozed all of geography class when I was in school, right? So two months later, I'm back at home. I say to my dad, I go home, I tell my family, I say, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, my entire family, I'm not going back to St. Bonaventure adventure next semester. I'm selling everything I have. I've got less than $5,000 in my bank account and I'm getting on a one-way flight to Sydney, Australia. Now my dad, right, is a very traditional guy, right? Went to college, ended up getting a really good job, did very well, was very successful. My family before that same thing all looked at me and says, Nick, that's the dumbest idea we've ever heard in our entire lives. I know. No, you're not doing that. Well, a little bit more convincing here or there. I decided to go and make that leap of faith. So that was September of 2012. I showed up to Australia. I spent a year over in Australia traveling around, doing all crazy types of businesses, ranging from door-to-door sales to jetpack instructor to a travel consultant worked at, I don't even know how many hostels. I was a personal trainer. I mean, you name it, I probably would have tried it or gotten fired or you know had some fun going or at least applying for it, right? So after that adventure, I decided to go to Southeast Asia for three months with my buddy who I'd met pretty much my second day in Sydney. And we're traveling on pretty much no money And after that experience, I go back to St. Bonaventure and that's when depression kicked in, right? I go back to St. Bonaventure. I literally just picked up where I left off three months at St. Bonaventure. I decided this was not the path I wanted to take. So I did all the research that I possibly could. And I ended up switching my studies over to Australia where I would then continue and commence my bachelor's degree. So, I go to say or I go to uh, the Gold Coast and I start at a university called Bond University. And previous to that, I had to make a quick little pit stop to Vietnam, Cambodia and Thailand. We're not going to get too in detail about that story. That's (laughs) its own chapter because the ridiculousness gets even crazier. But I ended up staying over at uh, Australia for the next three years. And throughout my semester breaks, I would travel all around the world. Right. I'd go on holiday after holiday after holiday after holiday and you name it. I've been there. Right. So I end up going back to Bond University and I started my master's degree. And this was in January 2016. Throughout a lot of those travels, I would go in and out of Thailand a lot. And Thailand was one of my favorite countries to holiday. And I think it's probably probably one of the greatest places if you're a beginner traveler or you have an interest in traveling or backpacking, that's where I would recommend to maybe take your first step forward.
0: I agree. That was actually the first place I ever went traveling when I was 18, just 18.
1: Tell me Jake, where'd you go? Uh,
0: Koh Phang Yang, of course, Koh Phi Phi, Koh Tao. <laughs> uh, a little bit of time in Bangkok, but not much
1: because I was essentially island hopping. Yeah. All the good spots excellent so let's let's just reverse for a quick second and let's talk about Kobe P because this is where the ridiculousness kind of kicks in as well mm. so i've been to Kobe P probably three or four times before that's my favorite party spot pretty much in the world right if you like to party if you like to be around good looking girls if you want to go and have fun that's where i'd highly recommend you check out i don't know what it's like right now but i mean <laughs> back in 2012 to 2020, you know, previous to COVID. Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna shave but a lot was, of years off your life. You're gonna have fun.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, a lot of fun. I first went there in 2005, then I went back in 2015. It changed a lot, but still a great place.
1: Right. Hmm. So, I, uh, I'm in and out of Thailand all the time, and I'm about to finish my last semester of my master's degree in Australia. So let's go and fast forward to 2017, okay? Now, I'm about to graduate my master's degree and it's time to enter the world and be a big boy, right? Get a job, start figuring out how you are gonna be able to financially take care of yourself. Well, my brilliant idea at the time was, I wanna go and start Yacht Week in Thailand. And if you're not familiar with the Yacht Week, go on YouTube, go on Google, look it up, it's this incredible adventure over in Croatia that i had went on three years before that. And I love the concept of it. It's where a bunch of foreign travelers would get onto a yacht, would go all around to the Croatia and island hop, have fun, party, go crazy, and you know, live that lifestyle. Mm. So my idea was how come they never brought it to Thailand. And I started doing some market research into it. And I see this is one of the biggest tourist hubs in all of the world. It's one of the biggest uh, sailing destinations in the world. And, and my curiosity was how come the Yacht Week in Thailand wasn't currently operating? So I found out that the Yacht Week was in Thailand, but they decided to change their direction over more so into Europe and to other areas around the world. So I say to myself, I'm gonna go and try my best to go and start Yacht Week in Thailand, right? Now my plan, Jake, I didn't have one. (laughs) I'm just gonna show up, network as much as I can, see exactly what happens. I had around 23 to 24,000 Australian dollars in my bank account. And I was gonna try everything I could to make Yacht Week a possibility or at least a reality, right? So, I get back over to Thailand, I go directly over to Koh Phi Phi, and the first guy I wanted to network around was one of my mutual friends, good friend that he had met traveling three years before that. And what he did was he started a one-day booze cruise throughout Maya Bay, and if you're not familiar with Maya Bay, everybody, Maya Bay is the beach. If you've ever seen the movie with Leonardo DiCaprio, that's the beach. And he had a one-day booze cruise where you'd go to My Bay and um, Pele Lagoon and Monkey Cave and pretty much all of those major tourist spots. And his own separation was you'd party with 40 or 50 foreigners, and you'd be drinking the entire time, having a good time. What's his name? Nathan.
0: No, I was going to say that would be crazy if it's the same guy. Because I did that, and I I actually stayed the night at My Bay as well. Um, before oh, yeah. they, this was before it was a, they, they made it a national park and you weren't allowed to do it anymore. It was in 2005. But yeah, sorry. Do, no.
1: <laughs> oh, you're good, dude. You're good. I, I know exactly what you're referring to because yeah. I I was trying to implement the exact same thing where yeah. you could be able to sleep on the beach. Mm-hmm. And we had a lot of internal connections. We'll get into it in a second. Yeah. Right. So I get over in a p right. I, I, I go and see Nate. I had already met him about a year ago when I went to CoPP on a previous trip. And <laughs> and I'm like, yo, Nate, let me ask you a question, dude. Like, what do you think of this idea? And I'm like, "Yacht week Thailand. He goes, nah, nah. Yeah, nah, it's not, it's, it's not going to work. He's like, dude, you're going to have this problem, this problem, and this problem, and this problem, and this problem. I'm just like, oh, okay, that, that. Wasn't really what I was expecting to hear, but uh, okay. Well, so a week later, right? I ended up leaving COPP. I went to Pattaya. One of my uh, one of my favorite tailors lives over in Pattaya, and I always go and regularly see him. I love to get suits made over there. I think he has pound for pound some of the greatest service, and all of those tailors that you would see in Thailand. Travel hit, travel hint. to everybody. If you go to Thailand, there's going to be a lot of people stopping you on the streets, being like, would you like a suit? Would you like a suit? Trying to like shake your hand and stuff like that. They all suck. Do your research, go on TripAdvisor, go on Google, right? My boy is pretty much number one across the board. So I'm in Pattaya and unfortunately my grandmother on my mother's side had passed away. So I get the call from my family. I uh, get the call from my mom and she says, unfortunately, grandma is pretty much on her last breath. Um, we now have to start preparing for potential death. And, um, you know, Nick, we need you back here in order to attend the services and things like that. Right now. I'm from Rochester, New York, but my grandmother is living in Schenectady, New York, which is right side right outside of Albany, New York. And um, so I, I head back home. And now all my plans are changed, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, dude, you know, I was going to be in Thailand for a while. I was going to try and get, you know, some networking done there. I'm going to try and get some businesses kind of started and we'll see what happens, right? I'm, I'm the kind of guy that just shows up without a plan, sees what happens and something crazy or ridiculous always stems from there. So, you know, I go to my grandmother's funeral. Uh, I see my cousins. I see my family. I spend around three to four weeks there. And I have a new plan, right, where I decided that I was going to go back to Australia and I was going to go and attend my master's degree celebration. And I was going to go to Australia and then back to Thailand where I was going to go and do a Muay Thai camp because I was just starting to get involved in martial arts. I was I was really interested to start fighting over in Thailand and Muay Thai. So I wanted to go and do a three month camp up in Chiang Mai. I'd already picked the gym out that I wanted to check out. So that's what my initial plan was going to be. So I booked my flight. It was supposed to leave from New York city connecting over into China directly to Thailand. And then, or I'm sorry, uh, to Thailand. And then I was going to take a cheaper flight to Australia. You could take AirAsia for 200 Aussie Mm -hmm. and I was going to sit my celebration and then go back to Thailand. So I head to New York city, which is around a six hour bus ride from Rochester. And I'm seeing a friend up there and it's around three days before my birthday. And (laughs) I get a call from one of my best friends to this day who works at an airline and he's got the hookup where he can use a little of his leverage to get standby flights for some of his friends. Now, I'm packing my bags and I'm about to get onto the train to get over to JFK airport. Cause I've, I've got to make the flight. And I get a call from him and he goes, bro, what are you up to? And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm about to head back to Australia. I'm going to Thailand first. He's like, this is going to sound ridiculous. What if I were to fly you out to Mexico and we'll spend your birthday here in Mexico city. Now i I love Mexico. I've already been there around four or five times throughout a lot of my world travels. And he's like, why don't you come and spend your birthday with my fiance and I, and we'll just have fun. And then we'll go and travel Mexico for a while. And I'm like, graduation ceremony, tacos, uh, tacos. (laughs) (laughs) So now I've got this $700 flight that I just paid for. that Mm -hmm. I've got to figure out how I don't just eat that cost, right? So I go to the airport. I go and fake like this stomach virus. I basically fake COVID in the airport, right? And one of those little travel hacks that I found is if you go to an airport doctor and you can pretend that you're sick enough or if you are actually sick enough, Hmm. then they will give you the, hey, here's your get out of work pass basically so that you can go and change the date later on over in, you know, for, for a separate day. I go to the doctor, right? (laughs) Absolutely ridiculous. Right. But somehow some way it works. So I get the note, I change my flight. He gets me on that standby flight immediately. I head over to Mexico City, we start hanging out, we're going all over the place, right? We're traveling to one town to the next on a bus. I'm in Acapulco, I'm in Guadalajara, I'm in Puerto Escondido, I'm in Oaxaca, and now I have to head back to Mexico City to go back to New York to get on that flight that I'd already booked. Yeah. So... Remember that buddy I was telling you about over in CoPP who had that one day booze truce and he sees that I'm in Mexico and he goes, hey, bro, I'm uh, I'm in Costa Rica right now and we're going to be I'm going to be traveling around Costa Rica, Panama and Nicaragua. One of my really good friends at the time had a hostel over in Nicaragua and this was the mutual friend that he connected me with. And he's like, let's go and hang out with him and go and travel. And I'm like, but I've got got this flight that I just like postpone. And he's like, dude, just do exactly what you did before. So I'm in Mexico City Airport. And now it's round two faking COVID basically, 2017. And long story short, I'm able to move that flight back again another month. And I head over to Costa Rica And that's where the idea starts coming alive again, right? We start hanging out We're traveling one town to the next All on a minibus Now, we're in this little town in Costa Rica It's called La Fortuna, right? And if you like coffee, Jake This is some of the best coffee you can find on Earth, right? It's got like volcanoes and waterfalls It's super dope so we're blind drunk. We're in the back of a minivan, basically. And I'm just like, Nate, dude, got we Thailand? Come on, dude. What do you think? <laughs> and he goes, You know what, man? I've given it a little bit more thought. I had another buddy who gave me the idea a couple of years ago. Unfortunately, it never progressed. But the more I think about it, I don't know if we'd be able to pull the exact same you know, idea is the yacht week in Croatia, but what if we were to basically do an extended version of my boost cruise, right? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I like the sound of that, mate. <laughs> right? like, now we're talking. Mm. So, you know, our brains start working a little bit more. His network starts kind of getting involved. He starts kind of getting some light bulb moments. And the next thing you know, we're like, dude, Let's let's give it a try. Right? So the new plan was a seven day, six night island hopping cruise on a yacht. It's around eight hundred to a thousand US dollars, where you get pretty much all of your meals provided, wakeboarding and tubing. You visit 13 islands, you party in a new island every single day. You've got two nights where it's kind of rest night you know you visit all the major attraction areas that you would have to have either hired a little uh what's it called like a long boat over in thailand to be able to get access to but we gave the service where you can basically visit that on a yacht and take our little dinghy over to those to those islands so so we start progressing we start really putting our brains together and i said okay dude New plan. <laughs> I'm gonna head back to New York, right? We go to Panama and I fly back to New York and I get on that flight over to Thailand. I'd miss my graduate, I skip my graduation. And the new plan is I'm gonna head up to Chiang Mai. I'm gonna do a one month Muay Thai camp. And at the time, Jake, I was helping a TEDx event over in Sydney. It was TEDx UNSW. Um, organized the event, and I was bringing a prominent speaker to the table. So I don't know if you're familiar with a guy by the name of Tim Sykes. Does that ring a bell at all?
0: I've heard of him, yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. So Penny Stock Trading Guru. Um, we had connected when I was trying to start my TED Talk over in, uh, in uh, Bond University in the Gold Coast. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. things never de- or never went forward. So I connected with my buddy over in Sydney. And this was at a university that I'd spent a semester. That's a total different story in itself. Ridiculous beyond ridiculous. And um, I was like, hey, man, uh, I'm trying to bring Akon and Tim Sykes over to a TEDx event. Um, Tim's already given me the verbal yes. Akon, uh, some of his representatives have given me the verbal yes. And um, here's all the, you know, information to prove it. So the plan is go over, do the Muay Thai camp. Go back to Sydney, go and attend the TEDx event, make sure that all goes well. I met Tim. We had a good time. We had a good weekend together. And then head back over to Phuket where it's Blanco Yacht Week, Thailand, right? Now, Blanco is one of the biggest party hostels that you would find over in Thailand, over in P as well and blanco boat party i don't know when you were out there if that was still going on at the moment but that's basically how we got the name so 4 months later right we've got this entire journey blueprinted right and we've got 2 months to do all the marketing do all of the you know reputation management basically build all the brand recognition for the company and try and fill at least half our boats that year in order to make this thing actually work out. Right. So here's what year are we now? This is 2017 still. Yeah,
0: man, that was a busy year for you.
1: (laughs) Right. So I'm living out of Thailand, basically. I'm living in Kopee Right. And again, we have everything against us, right? We've got the odds against us. This isn't supposed to work out. Just think about it. Right you know, we're, I'm, I'm an American citizen. He's Aussie, mm-hmm. you know, we've partnered up with some very prominent Thai guys who've got some serious connections alongside the out name Kobe P area. And next thing, you know, we've got two months to basically get this thing started. So we do a test trial. The test trial went really, really well. In my opinion, anyways, um, you know, we had headache after <laughs> headache after headache, but exactly what are you gonna expect? You know, it's your first time ever. And uh, long story short, uh, we were able to launch a few boats that year. Um, and then I had to go back to Australia in order to accept my two year postgraduate work visa. And in order to continue living abroad and living in Australia where, you know, investing in a master's, master's degree over in Australia made sense to me was the possibility of getting a permanent residency visa afterwards. So Australia basically says, Nick, you got to come here. You've got to work as a marketing specialist for two years. You can't start your own business. You can't be a business owner. That's considered volunteer work. You have to have at least two years, 20 hours worth of experience. Uh, pay slips, can't be your own company. And if not, then unfortunately get that two year visa and then it's see you later, buddy. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing a majority of the marketing. I'm trying to do a majority of the sales all from the Gold Coast. I connected with some of the top travel company, travel sales companies in the world, especially within that region. We didn't have too much luck at being able to get that entire fleet out for all of those weeks that we do over in high season. And long story short, we still had COVID and so many other headaches go forward with that and i'm sure we'll talk about it in a second um but that was my first business idea i've ever had jake And i'm sure you're going to have heaps of questions wow
0: that is just what a story what a story man. is this crazy 24 <laughs> years old dude <laughs>
1: <Right>? Yeah, <laughs> trying to start yacht week thailand right with Fuck all money, and you know what I mean. <laughs> just like, you know what I mean. Just the drive to want to try and make something badass.
0: You know. Well, that, well, that's that's what you know. Persistently came up in the story. I noticed the drive. Right, it wasn't always that you had a set plan or set idea. It was just that you had a concept and you knew what you wanted to do. And I think sometimes when you're going into new things, it's like I know what I want, and I know what the end result to be. I don't know how all the parts are going to connect together along the way to get it to work, but I have the vision and I have the concept and I've got the drive. And, well, for a person like you, you've got the connection or at least the ability to make connections very quickly. And I think that's a really important thing, particularly if you're in a foreign country, you know, because you're going to need some local assistance, some local knowledge, and yeah, just some local some local backing really as well, you know?
1: Well, you know, in Thailand, man, that's a totally different world, brother. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I mean, it's not like you're doing business in the Western world where you've got contracts and you've got, you know, governing bodies overlooking to make sure those contracts are being obeyed by or Mm -hmm. at least honored. So, you know, you're basically in the wild, wild west out there. Everything's Mm -hmm. majority, you know, gentlemen's agreements, you know, being a foreigner in thailand you, you know i'd be lying to say that you aren't a target especially to some of the local community you know it is kind of still third world out there i would argue it's more second world and at the end of the day doing business in those type of environments you know you're gonna learn a lot of lessons man and i've i i can give a ted talk on it right now so
0: well well know. it goes it goes back to and in fact that's part of the title of the podcast is risk taking right and the bigger the risk you take the bigger the reward and you, sir, are certainly someone that likes to take the odd risk here and there. But I think, yeah, Thailand, you know, for all intents and purposes, it's a beautiful place and beautiful people and the culture is just beautiful. You know, the way that the, the people are there, they're very um, very kind, very caring and, you know, really can't ever do enough for you. But I think there's, there's, there is a bit of a darker side to that as well. It can be quite a dangerous place and there's not much if you compare it to a place like australia there's really no health and safety um, particularly for a, a lot of things which i guess when you go into business that can actually work out for you because you're cutting you're cutting a lot of the red tape out that you'd have to go with but i mean how did you how did you figure that side out of it right you, you you're running these these yacht these yacht, essentially boat parties that are a week long everyone's getting pretty loose most of the time did you ever have any Issues, accidents,
1: problems? Oh, yeah. I mean, see, we made sure that we hedged all that as well. For example, we had a requirement in order to even be able to come on board with us. You have had to at least invest it in health insurance or to travel insurance previous to it. Right. So we wouldn't let anybody on board who didn't have travel insurance. Unfortunately, that was a that was one of the absolutely non-negotiables in order to be able to enjoy the experience. But at the end of the day, man, you're still in Thailand. You're still dealing with, you know, uh, demographic of 20 to 31. And you know, I, I remember when I was 20 years old. I mean, I'm I'm trying to get blacked out pretty much every single night, having a good time, especially at Thailand. To it, especially at you know, six dollar buckets or unlimited beer on the boat and unlimited drinks. So, you know we really made sure that they would at least have the common sense to still be able to look after themselves, still be able to, you know, make sure that they're not putting themselves in serious harm risk. But you know, at the end of the day, we did have chaperones. We did have professional tour guides who had worked for previous companies who had a lot of street cred, who were all very, very professional. So, you know, we still tried to limit that as much as possible, but, you know, dude, it's a bunch of 20 year olds in Thailand on a yacht visiting paradise, add booze to that equation, you know, add peer pressure to that equation, you know, problems are going to happen, but you know, we tried to ensue every measure possible to make sure that it didn't get too out of hand. And dude, it, <laughs> there's been times that it definitely got close. So yeah. um, no, no crazy stories in regards to like, oh, my God, that happened or like somebody died or anything like that. So no, we've been uh, pretty fortunate about that.
0: Yeah. And, and you mentioned that back there, Maya Bay, which for anyone that's watching who doesn't know, Maya Bay is where the film The Beach was filmed and that the starring Leonardo DiCaprio and I first went there in yeah, it was 2005 the first time I went there and there really wasn't many people there and we at that time it wasn't so protected as it is now. Now it's like a national national park and it's the, even the marine life there is, is also protected and we were lucky enough to be able to stay on the island for a night. It was like Best a boot <laughs> <Nice.
1: laughs> the first time.
0: That was the first time I breathed fire with kerosene. And as you can imagine, <laughs> I woke up the next day feeling quite <laughs> and, and had this kerosene taste all in my, in my throat, it was horrible. But um, yeah, just a great time. And then I went back, I remember going back in 2015. I didn't actually go back to Maya Bay, but I went to a small island called uh, just off Co-PP. It will come to me in a minute, but I was aware it had changed a lot. You know, there were a lot of resorts popping up, a lot
1: of. ko and he loves Ring a Bell, uh, Relay. It
0: was off, um, it will come back to me. No, it will come. It's all
1: good. It's all good,
0: brother. I went back I went back to this spot and it was um, you know, there was resorts that popped up all along the beach and I was like, wow, the last time I was here it was just shacks on the beach, little huts on the beach and and a couple of bars. And you know, I suppose tourism is really one of the major main incomes in Thailand. And you can't blame them at all for wanting to grow and expand that. But it was a little bit of a shame how all these big concrete buildings have popped up on on what was, you know, what still is, of course, beautiful little islands.
1: Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, when I was out there in 2013, in comparison to what it is now, it's apples and oranges, dude. I mean, 2013, yeah. Even then, it was starting to get developed. So, man, if, add, yeah. you know, go back 10 years from there, oh, man. Oh, Tonsai dude. Bay. That was it.
0: Tonsai Bay.
1: Tonsai. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay.
0: Tonsai. Yeah. 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 But um, I'd like to go back again and just
1: see how it's changed. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm definitely going back. The second that, that country opens up, I'm going back there. I'm I'm going back to camp, right? I'm definitely probably going to go back and do a few fights. Um, so I'd be out there right now if I could. You know what I mean? I, I just can't do that two-week quarantine, dude. Hell no,
0: right? right.
1: I talked I talk to one of my good friends, John Wayne Parr. He's done, like, two quarantines right now pretty much in Singapore and, like, God bless him, dude. I can't do that. My ADHD is way too bad. I go absolutely <laughs> loco. So, yeah. you know. I'm, I'm the same. I'm the same. I've, I've thought about it. I've come close. I'm like, do I just jump on
0: the plane? No, like, nah, because some of the places you have to do quarantine both ends. So when you arrive and then when you get back to where you're going from. So I don't know. There's only so much work you can do before you're like,
1: I just need to get out of this place. Right, dude. You know, Wayne, he's done... This is, I think, his second one month quarantine where he had. So, he right now, he's. Uh, so, tomorrow, everybody uh, tune in to TNT's fighting Nikki Holskin um, on 1FC. And that was in uh, Singapore. So, you know, when he flies from Australia to Singapore, he's got. He has to do two weeks out there. And then when he comes back, he's going to do two weeks in Australia. And um, that was the second time he's done it. And oh, man. God bless that dude because oh I that's just torture for me. That just seems like prison.
0: Yeah. So. yeah.
1: And then what inspired you to
0: start running to do fight training? I'm sorry? What inspired you to want to start fighting training my time and fight?
1: Uh well, you know, when I, was li- <laughs> when I was living when I was living in Thailand, dude, I was like, you know, there's pretty much two things you can do at night. Right. Like when it comes to 6 p.m. Right. Especially when you're done with the whole kind of touristy stuff. Right. You know, and your liver hates you and you're just like not sleeping well and you're just like, oh, man, drinking. I'm just shaving years off my life. Right. Yeah. So, you know, if you're going to get engulfed in the culture, that's cool. But like, dude, my Thai sucks. Like I can't speak Thai to save my life. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's really difficult for me to really build a dialogue with the locals. So, you know, I've always been a huge fitness guy. Right. I, you know, I was fat most of my life. And, um, you know, when I was 16, I went on a diet and lost around 60 pounds and promised myself that I'd always continue to keep a sustainable lifestyle or at least a sustainable, healthy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So I was always a gym junkie and that just kind of got boring to me. So I was like, you know, screw it. I'm in Thailand, right? There's nothing much more to do. So, why not get involved in their local sport? And, you know, I walked over into a Muay Thai gym, did about a week's worth of Muay Thai, and absolutely loved it. You know what I mean? I, uh, I've been, I, dude, that's even a crazier story in itself. But, you know, I was doing martial arts all across Thailand, I've been doing martial arts all across the world, I was just in the U.S training with some absolute legends, and um, I trained with Wayne Parr in the Gold Coast for around three years, and, and Angie Parr, and Jazzy Parr, and Rocky and all those guys, and they're all absolute legends. Love them very much, and, um, you know, it's just it's just become a total passion of mine, man.
0: Nice, man. I mean, it's one hell of a way to keep fit, and not only for your body, but for your mind as well. You know, it's great for your discipline. You mentioned now you have ADHD. It's great for that. It's great for calming the mind down. Sure. Yeah,
1: dude. At the end of the day, man, you know, Muay Thai, it's a challenge, you know, that's, that's some of the beauty that I love behind Muay Thai is because, you know, I was never an actual natural in Muay Thai, you know, I had to really change up my entire body structure, basically, right, you know, I wrestled a little bit in high school, and, you know, I weight lifted for 10 years, and, you know, I'd always kind of be, you know, pretty stiff and in, in Muay Thai they have a saying of a fighting stiff where you know you've kind of got to really shave down your muscles so you can turn your hips over correctly and you know you can be able to check kicks and be able to block correctly without you know getting hit in the sternum every single time so you know I always had those challenges in front of me and and to be honest man I, I was just inspired by guys like Wayne Parr and Boss Ruton and Jason Park and and Heaps of other legends that I've met throughout my travels and you know, it's just saying, Screw it, man, let's just go in there and test each other or test test yourself and see what happens.
0: <laughs> you yeah. know? That's the beauty of trying new things, right? Because you try try new things, you put yourself out there, you put yourself in a place of of challenge, of discomfort, you know, of um not not you know, not knowing am I even gonna like this, am I gonna enjoy it? But sometimes something clicks. And for you, you know, there is my tie, and then you just you've, you you find then a new community of people. It's like recently I've i started doing some dancing, some salsa dancing, and now I'm like I'm okay, still pretty rusty, kind of six seven weeks in. Um, but you've got you've got a community there. You can go anywhere in the world. There, you know, you can jump into a fight gym for me to go to salsa salsa club, and you know, you've got a new community of people that you can you can rock onward.
1: Jake, for the love of God. Get good at salsa and then go to Columbia. You're welcome. (laughs) That's what my teacher told me. Dude, dude, I've tried salsa dancing all around my travels in South America. Every time I do, they're all just like, yeah, he has no idea what he's doing. (laughs) Right. And I just, you know, I just look dumb as hell. Right. But if you can get good at it and you go to Columbia, you're going to have fun. (laughs) You're welcome. I'll show (laughs) you where to go, dude. I'll show you where to go.
0: Notes taken. Now, so we were kinda of looking at 2017, 2018 there. Let's fast forward to, you know, kind of today, twenty twenty one, because I know now you were you have your own solar company. At the moment yep. you're out there in Mexico. Wise decision getting out of the States. And but how did how did that business come around? I know there's a particular story. You mentioned Acom back there and trying to get him in a TED talk, and I know you, you work closely with one of his partners now. I know that story, but these guys don't, and I'd love you to share
1: it. All right, so how I got involved in solar, right? Kind of, we're going to have to reverse back a few years, right? So I'm just trying to think, uh, I think this is going into 2018, 2018, I'm pretty certain. It was 2016 going to 2017, I'd have to go back to my Instagram, right? So (laughs) I was, uh, it was my second last semester over my master's degree. And I've been traveling heaps, right? I was kind of like trying to find new things to do. So one of the aspirations I was bringing to the table was I really wanted to start a TEDx talk. And basically the reason why I wanted to get involved into the TEDx talk was, imagine you're about to graduate, right? Imagine you're starting to look at the graduation kind of like time to be a big boy time, if that makes sense. Yeah. And um, a friend of mine, And I kind of wanted to test the waters to see what if you were to build your direct network by offering a sense of value to people that you might look up to people that you might potentially want to have as a professional connection, or maybe do some things professionally together, or at least maybe just see what happens and see if there's an opportunity that stems from it. So I, uh, I reached out to pretty much all the people who I was at least interested in or at least I looked up to. And I wanted to offer them the opportunity at gaining a new sense of exposure by utilizing the TEDx platform. So, you know, I was at Bond University and the Gold Coast sells itself. It's one of the most, you know, badass places in the world. It's one of the most beautiful places that, you know, I've seen throughout all my travels. Bond University is an awesome school. It's an unbelievably presentable school. And I had already spoke to the vice provost there, who was a very dear friend of mine. And, um, you know, he was on board to see if this is something that we could potentially bring where, you know, we can bring some big names over to Bond Uni, especially within the TEDx, you know, brand in itself. It's like, you know, I think this would be a grand slam home run. So imagine trying to get a guy like Les Brown, right? Let's just use Les Brown as a, you know, an example here, Right. right? Now, imagine you don't do your Find Your Voice program or any of that crap, right? And let's say that you are just an average nobody. How would you try and get Les Brown to speak at your TEDx event? What would be an idea that you would stem up, Jake?
0: I would try and connect with these people, you know, because the, the person themselves isn't always that accessible. But if you find out who they work with in their team, get in with them, that's often the best route to, to, to get to people with big notoriety.
1: I absolutely agree. And that was the step that I tried. So now, Akon, for example, imagine trying to get in touch with that dude. I spent probably two days of my life trying to figure out who his publicist was. And I'm good at that, dude. I can can research. I can cold call. Dude, I would be from the hostel that I'd be living in over in the Gold Coast, which is still one of my happy places in life. Right. I would stay up at 12 o'clock at night and wake up at six o'clock in the morning, which is L.A. time, you know, and I'd be cold calling all of these big name publicists that I'd see in press releases and news articles and things like that. And be like, you know, how do I get in touch with his publicist? I had absolutely zero luck. Right. I flopped massively. So I'm on their website. Right. And Akon Lighting Africa at the time, right, on their website, they had an address in the Empire State Building, right? I would call their phone number every single day and nobody would pick up, right? So finally, I said to myself, you know what? Fuck it. I'm I'm already heading over to the U.S. Every single year I'd go home and see my parents for Christmas, see my family, spend time with them. And then, you know, I'd usually go and see some of my best friends to this day and we'd spend somewhere new for New Year's Eve. And it would usually be somewhere around North America. Right. So my plan after, you know, failing at getting in touch with everybody, sending, I don't even know how many emails, how many text messages, how many calls was I'm going to show up to New York City. Right. I'm going to show up to the Empire State Building. I've got, you know, my handcrafted suits from Thailand, right? And this little folder that one of my best friends and I had created so I didn't just show up and just cold sell myself like I was a door-to-door salesman yeah. and, you know, basically just go from there. So it's four days before Christmas, right? I'm in New York City. I show up to the Empire State Building. Now, their office is on, please correct me if I'm wrong, it's it's still on that video I think it was on like the 40th floor, right? Now, this is the Empire State Building, one of the most secured, like guarded places on earth, right? So I've got to try and convince the security guards and, you know, the receptionists downstairs to let me go up to the 40th floor and basically go and just see what happens, right? So I'm downstairs, Right, I'm in my suit. I've got this little folder with me, right? That basically just says like TEDx on it. And yeah. it's like a picture of me and like, you know, the university, right? And I had more to work with than what I usually have when I'm trying yeah. to get shit done, right? So, long story short, you know, I say the right stuff, right? I present my best self. I'm just hitting every jumper, bro. In front of this lady, I'm just hitting my jumpers. And she's just like, Okay, well, you know, I'm just gonna call to the secretary up at the 40th floor because I was like, yeah, you know, they're all they're expecting me, right? You know, I talked to this person and this person, and I'm supposed to have a meeting with them. Like, you know, I'm my best suit, and I'm, you know, I've got my paper right here, and they're just they're just kind of looking at me like, uh, yeah, oh, okay, right? So she gets on the phone with them. I'm just like, oh, fuck, dude, right? This is gonna flop bad. This is gonna go bad. So she's on the phone and I'm just sitting there like. Doing everything I can. And then finally, she hangs up, prints off this ticket, and gives it to me. And I get in the elevator and start heading up to the 40th floor. Right. And then that's the video I sent you where I'm just like, oh my God, it worked. Right. So I'm in the (laughs) elevator. I, uh, I, I show up into the 40th floor. Right. And it's an office with an admin right there. And I go up, present my best self, right? Hit my jumpers again, right? Boom, boom, boom. And she gives me a phone number. I was like, okay, this is, this, <laughs> this worked out. This is working out better than I thought. Like, I, I thought I was going to get arrested. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, this yeah, is kind of yeah. crazy. Things are going wrong. So I get this phone number, right? And I cold call this, this number, and this dude picks up, and his name is Bocard. And I introduced myself, you know, I'm um, presenting my best self to him over the phone. You know, he liked my vibe. He, he liked the way I sounded. He liked my ideas like TEDx. Oh, dude, that's 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 awesome. Like, I, yeah, that's something we could probably work with. So he's like, Nick, why don't we go and have some lunch? Like salt. Right. So him and I go and have lunch. We become buddies. Right. We're still friends to this day. And we're, we're talking, 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 I'm telling him the idea. I'm telling him about the Gold Coast. I'm telling him about my travels. I'm telling him about all the crazy shit I've done. And he's just like, I'm going to go to Akon and talk to him for you, right? I was like, sounds great. <laughs> like, Let's see what happens, right? So he goes, Nick, I'll talk to Akon for you, and then we'll get back to you, right? One month goes by. Two months go by, right? We're staying in touch. And then finally, I get him back on the phone. He goes, "Hey, man. Unfortunately, I decided to kind of, you know, change my career path. I'm I'm going to be exiting Acon Lighting Africa, I'm moving on to something different. I still have good connections with the boys, um, but you know, I will pass you on to his, you know, person or the lady who takes care of all of his speaking engagements, right? So I get in touch with this lady, right? Tell her about the opportunity. TEDx UNSW, right? Tim Sykes. Uh, we had a huge like X Factor singer who was coming over there. Um, like the event was badass, right? And it was it was expected to be super badass. And He goes, he goes, all right, Nick. This sounds really good. I'll put this down and you know we'll talk about it and go from there, right? <clears throat> and I also tell her about this other alter or this other opportunity called. The One Young World Summit. If you don't know what it is, go on YouTube, go on their website, go and educate yourself. It's super badass as well. Um, and long story short, I never hear from her ever again, right? So I'm just like, damn, right. This sucks. It's so well, man. You got you, you're getting getting good there, getting good. It gets crazier. Don't worry, it, it's not over yet. So one year later, right? Uh, this is after. Yacht Week, right? I'm back in the Gold Coast, yeah. right? I'm I'm living in the apartment that I was just telling you about before we got onto this, mm-hmm. to this um, interview, and uh, and I, and I'm sitting in bed and I see one of his partners. His name's Chian Young, right? One of my best friends to this day. Love this guy with all my heart, and uh, I see that he's in Thailand, right? And he's doing some stuff there, and and I'm like, oh man, he's going to all the like tourist trap places. So I'm like. <laughs> I just comment on his photo. I'm like, go here, go here, go here, go here, right? 10 minutes later, I get a direct message from him and he's like, dude, I just looked at your Instagram and what the hell, like, dude, you have, your Instagram is sick, right? So I'm like, thanks, man, like huge fan, think you're a legend, all this stuff. So we connect over there and he has no idea who I am, no, no clue who I am, no right? so i start giving him some advice on where to go in thailand what to do what not to do which gyms are awesome to go and train in muay thai which gyms to totally avoid if you just want to be around foreigners and and then he says nick why don't you come out to senegal and i've got a bunch of friends who i you know i made during my mba when i was studying over in the us and they come over for uh new year's eve and why don't you come you can stay at my house and um you know we'll connect over there so i'm like i've never been to africa fuck it let's do it so you know i uh, i go on this massive trip right i finish i finished that year um i'm trying to think i went to la went to new york uh, i think I, I i forgot i went to like five or six different places mm-hmm. i don't L.A., New York, and then Senegal, and then back to New York, and then Dominican Republic, and then back to L.A., and then back to Australia. So I'm over at his house. I'm, I'm hanging out with Sean, and him and I create this friendship together. And again, still to this day, good friend of mine. And four months later, he comes back over to Australia, where I hooked him up with quite a few speaking gigs. And then I ended up helping him gain some speaking engagements around the world, and then i was basically his booking agent right and we were working on this massive project where he was going to be giving a speech over at the facebook headquarters in new york he had just launched a new book and you know we were we partnered up with this really awesome non for profit who was hosting the event bbc africa was going to be there it was going to be this huge masterclass, and this was yep, supposed yep. to add some more you know, impacts to the charity and also be able to give some notoriety of what their causes are currently doing and how, if you ever wanted to go to Africa or if you wanted to get involved in doing business in Africa, this could be a little cheat code to implement. So then COVID kicked in. <laughs> damn, damn. <laughs> so so long story short, I was working with them over on Acon Lighting Africa. Um, I was helping them with certain speaking engagements I was helping them be able to get put on to certain new platforms. And that's kind of the short version of the entire story.
0: Yeah. yeah, So you kind of went back full circle.
1: Dude, it's, it's crazy, man. Like the more I think about it to this day, that was years ago. And while I was working with them, that's how I got involved in solar. So, you know, Sean, he works on a lot of large scale commercial solar projects. You know, he was kind of giving me the the rundown on just kind of like these are some things to, you know, use as cheat codes. These are ways that you can potentially do it in the future. And I decided to go more so in the residential side. I was working with a company over in Australia. We were doing residential and commercial solar as well. Yeah. Um, I decided to branch away from them and start my own thing. And um, here I am today.
0: Yeah. And solar, I mean, solar is huge. It's just growing everywhere all over the world. It's definitely. Huge here in Australia. Um, there's even some some parts of Australia that have come complete, converted completely to solar energy now, and they don't, you know, they're kind of off the grid, so to speak, with with regard to solar. Um, and then, how do you? So, how are you managing to run your business now? Because obviously, solar typically would be you would have to go to a property or a premises, evaluate the needs, and then go based on them needs. So are you doing you can't be doing that right now. Surely you, you've managed to do it nope.
1: virtually. That's not my responsibility. So I've partnered up okay. with some of the most some of the most prominent solar installers all across the US. And basically what I do is I help generate sales or their entire sales process from A to install. So I would sit down with a homeowner or I would go on to a Zoom call with a homeowner who's got, you know, a very expensive electricity bill, let's say 200 dollars or more and you know i basically run them through the process of how they can no longer be handcuffed to the utility company who just raises their rates every single year totally abuses them in my opinion anyways and then on top of that they're basically renting power off of their utility company and then i provide a new solution where they can make immediate monthly savings by investing in a solar system for their own home where they can take advantage of some serious, generous tax benefits, both at the state and federal level here in the United States, depending on which state that they're currently living in. And then basically, once I run them through them, give them more of an informed decision on what they would think would be a best alternative for them, then once they decide to move forward with that, then my EPC network goes from start to finish from there. So they take it on from there, they go over to their home, they do a site inspection to make sure that they're even, they even qualify in the first place, assuming they do, right? Making sure the roof is still, is gonna hold the system for at least 25 years. It's not shoddy and it's not gonna, you know, totally break their roof or, you know, ruin the structure of their home or things like that. Once they get the okay from there, then our partners would go there and actually complete the install. And, you know, here in the United States, brother, especially if you have an electricity bill of, you know, 150 to 200 or more, I've seen some as high as five to 600 a month. And it's just going to keep climbing from there. Solar is an absolute no brainer because it doesn't cost you a dime out of pocket, especially if you finance a system. And then usually what happens is you're, Monthly payment on your solar loan will always be less than what you're currently paying to the utility company, and on top of that, they get an investment tax credit. So, you know, depending on how large the loan is, or however large, however they decide to finance it, or however they decide to purchase it, if they do cash, then you can get at least twenty-six percent directly sent to you over as a tax credit. So, you know, you get to you get to. Kill two birds with one stone. It's a no-brainer,
0: man. It is a no-brainer, and you actually get to take control of your energy bills instead of just, like you said, you know, all, all these power companies, their bills are just going up and up and up as natural resources get less that they use for the big power plants and stuff as well. And also there's there's a green energy side to it as well. You know that you're taking the energy from the sun instead of, you know, burning natural natural resources all the time. So there's a little bit of feel-good factor for that
1: this is what I say. I mean, basically throughout my sales process, right? I mean, I, am I, I only basically recommend solar if they're going to be able to get a 100% offset, right? Obviously, if you invest in a system and you don't get a hundred percent offset, then you're still going to have a lower monthly cost for power. But if you can get a hundred percent offset or even more, right? I try to get 110 to 120, depending on which state that you live in, right? Then basically I say, Hey, Jake, if you were a homeowner, would you rent your home? No, right? That's a stupid question. No, Most people wouldn't. They want to own their home, right? It's just like with power, right? Why are you renting power from your utility company when you can own your system and you can have a fixed monthly rate every single month, right? So, you know, why go ahead and gamble with high electricity bills that can go up and up? Where, you know, especially if you have kids, especially if you have large size homes, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, hey, don't you want to run your AC as much as possible and, you know, charge your car without any problems? And, you know, have the ability to basically keep your lights on if you like with having peace of mind that you're not going and creating more carbon footprint and you're doing it in an ethical fashion. It's just like. I like to. I, I sell financial savings and peace of mind. I like to sell the idea of having a fixed monthly payment opposed to the whole. Hey, it's out of my hands, and the utility company can put all these other little crazy fees and things like that. I can give a TED talk on just ridiculousness i see in the industry here so far. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
0: Now, what's one word? I always one question I always love to ask everyone on this podcast, and it's just a great question because you just get so many different answers every time. Because of, it's 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 a question really that is based on everyone's perceptions and ideas and experiences. But that question is, how do you define the word hustle? Uh, evidently, you have a lot of it. You know, you've told stories there about being in a lot of these situations where you've had to find that that drive and that ambition within yourself to carry out your vision and push forth and make that vision a reality. But how would you define the word hustle and what's driven your hunger for it over the years?
1: I guess my definition of hustle would be, what are you doing that separates you from everybody else? What are you doing that other people are afraid to do or too lazy to be able to do? Right. You know, hustle for me is when you're tired, when you're, you know, feeling like it's time to just quit and throw in the towel that you just keep pushing forward right you know if you're just sitting there and just constantly living at the whole what's comfortable lifestyle then in my idea you're not a hustler my idea of hustler my definition of hustler is being able to keep pushing and pushing and pushing especially when times are rough brother you know that yeah i'll leave it at that
0: yeah no i think that's a good good and good and fair definition and what would you say? Is I'd love to actually know, man. So, what are your, some of your goals and your aspirations for the future? Like, what's what's next for Nick? What's happening? What's happening next?
1: Well, I want to use my solar company to try and create positive impact in areas all across the world. That's my dream, man. I've you know I've traveled around the world. I'll keep traveling, right? I'm I'm a nomad at heart. I'll always be a nomad at heart. But, you know, I want to allow my company to be successful if it's in solar, if it's in any other type of, you know, enterprise or any other type of niche. I want to be able to use that where I can start implementing some good or at least adding value to people's lives who struggle to add value for themselves. I like Mm -hmm. to be able to help people as much as I can. That would be something that I could be able to smile at 30 years later and I'd be happy with.
0: Man, I love that, and I really share that with you. And I think that's why we align so much. That's actually why I do the podcast—you know—to add some value for people. Um, and it's no surprise that we're both here sharing it today. So I really want to thank you for your time with me, Nick. It's been awesome. We could have we could have rolled this out for two or three hours easily. So no, get to that point, I reckon we should get you back on the show again at another another time if you can.
1: I, I've got stories for days, Jake. Yeah, I, I know you are Appropriate enough for your podcast, you know. So, <laughs> um, uh, stay,
0: stay online afterwards, and uh, we'll we'll get some of those inappropriate stories off camera. But um, absolutely, if, if, Nick. If anyone wants to
1: connect with you, where's the best place to find you online? Probably Instagram or Facebook. um yeah. that's where I still stay connected to a lot of you know my buddies all across the world. And, uh, you know, don't be surprised if you see me in another area or, you know, another country, even though it's COVID. I'm, <laughs> dude, I'm still all over the place, man. Yeah. I'm in and out of the States a lot, especially for work. Um, but, you know, I like to base out of Mexico just because I love Mexico. And I'm a one-way flight both to pretty much both territories that I'm currently selling in and currently representing. So, yeah, guys, awesome. don't be strangers. Love it. Thanks for listening,
0: everyone, wherever you've been listening from across the world. If you got some value from the episode, please share it with your friends because they might too. Stay happy, stay healthy and keep on hustling, folks.